message about being surrendered, about looking to God in the place where many of us, some many of us in this room, but symbolically many of us over the course of our lives have declared our surrender to Jesus and have gone through that water of baptism. And so standing in that place of baptism, I want to call your attention to Isaiah chapter 43 this morning. And I'm going to read a larger chunk and then just draw out a few threads and there'll be a chance for us to pray together and for each other at the start of a year. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 43. I'm going to start reading at verse 14. And uh, if you haven't got a Bible, feel free to, there should be one in the chair behind you. There might be one in the back pocket there. But Isaiah chapter 43, and I'm going to start reading at verse 14. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honour me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. I want us to just pause for a second and kind of just tune in and realize that we're not messing around here. That, that we haven't come for a religious activity, but we've come because God is real. And because he's real, he does amazing, spectacular things. If God isn't real, we can have our holy club and uh, we can just kind of gather and sing and listen to some words and go out again and Hopefully what I say might just kind of inspire you a little bit, and that's about as much as we can hope for. The music's pretty good, so it gives us a good feeling, but, but if God's real, and if we come with an attitude that God is real, and our expectation is that because he's real, he's going to communicate, and he's going to speak, and he's going to be with us, that changes everything. And friends, at the start of this year, I want us just to, to just kind of wake up for a second and live in this moment, and just to kind of, there's a lot of talk around mindfulness, and existentialism in our house at the moment and all kinds of conversations going on but you're real you are here this is your moment this is the day that you're alive and this is the day that God is with you and and I want us to just wake up to that and not to drift through life and bumble along as though it's always the way it's always going to be and it'll always be this way and it's just us and we're bumbling through but a kind of a wake up moment and realize you know this isn't a dry run this is your life This isn't the practice for the life that you're going to live like. This is your life. This is the one shot here we've got to live the life that is the best life that we can live, a life inspired by God, living in union with him, calling his kingdom from heaven to become real here on earth and to live in a realm of spiritual reality that God is real and that he wants to be with us 
And therefore we can expect things to be kind of different if he's around and if he's with us. And so one of the things I want us to kind of begin this year with is this, not quite forget what's past, although we're going to get there. The scripture doesn't say forget what's past. It says don't dwell in it. We're going to come to that difference in a few moments. But I want us just to realise that we're here now in this year. It's 2020. It's this year that we're living in. And it's not just us. There's a God who is real. And friends, that has to shape everything that we do and who we are. Somebody said to me a few months ago, you do like singing in your church, don't you? And I kind of began by saying, yeah, yeah, we do. And actually, I corrected myself and said, you know what? It's not that we enjoy singing. It's that we enjoy being close to the Father. And singing is one of the ways that we get there. It's a really important way for us. It's a way of us focusing our attention, of making some declarations to him, of speaking some things out that are true. It's not that we enjoy singing, although many of us do enjoy singing. It's that we enjoy being close to our Heavenly Father. And our worship and our praise is one of the ways that we get close to him. We need to live in this kind of reality. That's what we're about. When we pray, it's not just filling a moment and expressing some positive vibe into the atmosphere. That's not what's going on. We're calling out to a God in heaven who's real and who's active in the world. And we're saying, God, can we draw your attention to this? Would you move in this place? And we cry out for God to have mercy on Australia. We're crying out, God, what what is it that you want to see happen there? What's going on there, Lord? Please have mercy. Millions of people, millions of animals. And Lord, just as you saved Nineveh and you said to Jonah, why shouldn't I be concerned about Nineveh? There's so many people there and thousands of cattle on the hills. I'm concerned for it all. Why don't we cry out and say, God, would you save Australia? You're concerned for the people and you're concerned for the ecology. There's a reality that we need to get to. I don't think we're a game-playing church. That's not who we are. We don't do that. We don't come along and play games. Hallelujah. We've met a few, you know. (laughs) Travelled around a bit, and you kind of walk away and think, I wonder if any people in that building believe there was a God who was there today. We're not that kind of church. Hallelujah. But I want us to just step up a little bit at the start of this year and say, you know what? I'm going to look out for what God's doing. I want to be part of what God's doing in the world. I want to seize this year. I'm going to grab it and say, I'm not going to live just for me. And I'm not going to just carry on doing what I've always done and expecting things to be different. This year, this year, I'm going to be paying attention to what God's up to. I'm going to seek to live my life with this conscious awareness that God is nearby and he's with me. And see what a difference that makes. And I think that's what Isaiah 43 does for us. Isaiah is a book that was written at a particular time in Israel's history. It's a book written to the Jewish people. It's a prophetic book. Which means that it is speaking the words of God. And it is also speaking about how things will be. So Isaiah is writing about 100 years or so before... Israel is taken fully into captivity. And so there's going to be a time and a season in Israel's history where because of their disobedience to God, a foreign power, Babylon, is going to come into Israel and take over and take their best and their good away in exile, leaving some people in the land but not many of them and for them to be an oppressed people. And God speaks to Isaiah and uses Isaiah to prepare the people for what's about to happen to them. 
And so there's everything in Isaiah has a direct relevance to what the people of Israel were about to go through and what God was planning to do in that time. But, I think I've said this before, we're teaching abundance, so sometimes I forget what we've taught on abundance and what we've taught on Sunday mornings. But like most prophetic writings, they also reveal the kind of pattern of the way that our human history unravels. And so not only is this a word that was relevant to those people at that time, but it then echoes through the centuries and through the millennia and speaks into our time too. Friends, this has some declarations I just want to make at the start of the year. We believe that the Bible is the word of God. We believe that it was breathed by God, that God's Holy Spirit was breathed into people's minds and they wrote down what they were inspired to by the Holy Spirit. Now what we must do is we must live at that interface between this scripture and the society we live in. Here's the mistake many people make. They come to this scripture and it's like society's in the middle. Oh, I see all of this stuff and I see all of these issues and so I'm just going to kind of look through all of this and understand all this is true, so now how do I understand the scripture? Instead of saying, here's the scripture and there's all this culture and there's all this stuff and I'm going to look at what's going on around me through the lens of what the scripture says. This is true, so how does it play out out there? How do I understand what's going on out there in the light of the fact that this is true? And so there's a sense in which the scripture is always true and it always has that meaning and it will always be relevant to that first situation, the people of Israel who are about to go into exile. That's like the logos word of God. There's a nice bit of Greek for you. Just truth. It's like this eternal truth. It's like a straight line that shoots all the way through history and we're going to future forward all the way through this truth that is God has spoken in his word. But then there are times when God just gets out his magic marker, his highlighter and says, this bit is also right for now and relevant for now. We call that a rima word. It's a Greek word, rima. It means now, an opportune moment, right now. And so this word that was relevant for the people of Israel at the time, all the way through human history, has had moments where it's become highly relevant to us again. And scripture keeps doing that. One day I'll get around to teaching you about Revelation. And we'll see how it's not confusing at all. How many of you have been confused by Revelation? I'm going to tell you, it's a really straightforward, dead easy book to understand. Really, really easy. Honestly, it truly is easy. Um, And I'll tell you why, but that's a series for another day. What we see in Revelation is these truths that just keep being recycled again and again and again in human history. And there's a truth here in Isaiah 43 that is a pattern, is a shape, is a a thing that we go through with God all the way through human history. And it is that God keeps bringing us to this particular moment, this particular place where we have a wake-up moment where God says, just wake up and take a look around and just see where you are right now. And the first thing to do, he says, is to recognize, who am I, says God, who am I in this? And it begins with this, this is what the Lord says. Repeats himself, he's gonna say it again. This is what the Lord says. This isn't what some man says, this isn't what the prophet Isaiah says, this is what the Lord says. Who is this Lord? He's your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. 
That's who's speaking. He calls to mind. He says, just remember who I am. I'm your redeemer. I'm the one who buys you back. That's what a redeemer does. Some of you perhaps in your life have had to uh, use a cash converters or a pawnbroker or something. And you've gone in and you've said, I just need some money for this for a little while. And they've given you a token. And so you keep a hold of that token, that little slip. And then you go back and you say, oh, I'm going to have my, whatever it was, my stereo back. And here's the, you lent me 20 quid, here's 25 quid, I'm buying it back. You just redeemed your stuff. And God says of his people, I'm the one who redeems you. I buy you back. You're mine, but from time to time you seem to drift off and go to some other place. You give yourself to belong to someone else for a while. And God says, I'm the one that will buy you back. I'm the one that will redeem you. That's who's talking to you right now. And friends, I need you to just check in. There's a God who speaks to you right now. And who is it that speaks to you right now? It's the Lord who redeems you. You were not in a cash converters or a pawn shop, but you were lost in this world. And Jesus, who we're thinking of as God with us, Emmanuel, we look towards Easter and we realise he's God who is for us there on the cross, dying in our place. And in doing so, he buys us back. We're his again. However lost we were, wherever we'd found ourselves, however distant we were from the Father, whatever blind alley we'd walked up, whatever we had gone off and done, and whatever it had cost us and cost other people to get so lost, and whatever punishment we might be due because of the rotten stuff that we've done, the good news is that he redeems us. He buys us back. And it's costly. It's the blood of his son on the cross that buys us back. He goes on. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. You see, what's going to happen is the people of Israel are going to be taken away as captives. And the people of Babylon are so proud of their military might. And God says, I'm going to reverse all this stuff. It's going to happen, but then I'm going to reverse it. He then goes on and says again, This is what the Lord says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Here he's making a reference to something else in Israel's history. Somebody tell me what it is. The Exodus. This pivotal moment in the history of the Jewish people. A time when they were in slavery and they couldn't get themselves out of slavery and they were lost and they were mistreated and they were being abused. And what does God do? God sets them free. God makes a way for those people to be free. And of that journey, he leads them into a promised land and they go over that sea. A sea which they pass over on dry land. But as they look over their shoulder, all of Egypt, who've been holding them captive, are chasing after them in their chariots with all of their reinforcements. The whole military might of Egypt is chasing after them. And as they come over that sea, the waters that have been held back by God are no longer held back. And the chariots and the military might of Egypt is dealt with in one go, never to rise again, those individual people. This is what God does. If we will flee to him fully and follow him, he will deal with the rubbish that chases us. We don't have to be bound by it anymore. And the threat of it and the, 
the kind of the, the shame of it and all of the stuff from the past that just wants to linger and chase us and redefine us and take us captive again, God says, no. And at the start of this year, I want you to tune in. There is a God who redeems you, a Jesus who buys you back, and a God who wants you to stay free from the rubbish that would love to ensnare you once more and make you as captive all over again. Hear this remote word to us. And then this is what God says. Forget the former things and do not dwell in the past. There's some things that we need to forget and there's some places we need to stop dwelling. You know you can live in the past, right? Some of us do it. Some of us do it in church world. We say things like, we've always done it this way. We've never done it that way before. I remember when we had a Sunday night youth group of 3,000 young people. In this building, in this building, Jonathan, 3,000 young, where did they go? Oh, I wish it was 300. <laughs> it clearly wasn't you that spoke to me. <laughs> and we can in our hearts hark back to a time and a place. I remember when we only sang hymns. I remember when we used the King James version of the Bible because if it was good enough for Jesus... I'm being naughty, I'm being silly, but I'm making a point. There's some stuff we've got to let go of. It's gone, it's gone. We can't dwell in the past anymore. And we don't want to dwell in the past. Because if that's where our focus is, if that's where our attention is, if that's where we choose to live, if that's the place that you want to go back to, then it's a bit like the people of Israel who've been set free in the Exodus, who then get themselves in the desert, and as soon as their tummies start to rumble, they say, oh, I miss the leeks and the garlic that we had when we were in Egypt. Why don't we go back to Egypt? Slavery. I know, but slavery with garlic and leeks. See, we have a choice. We have a choice of whether we dwell in what was before and what was past, or whether we do what Isaiah says, which is, reminds us, God says, which is, see, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? See, if all my focus and my attention is on what God did once before, because that's how God works, and I know that's what he wants to do, then I'm going to miss this new thing that he's doing. I am one of those people who, if I really need to focus on something I'm reading, get a little bit cross if people try and interrupt me. So I'm kind of like, 
there's a letter come for you. So I'll read the letter. I'm reading this letter, and one of the children or somebody, or Susanna or somebody, will say, can I just talk to you about it? No, 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 I'm just reading this letter. What does the letter say? I don't know. I haven't read the letter. Just let me read the letter. I need all my focus to be on that thing, and I can't have this other stuff coming into my focus because I can't fully take this in. And you see, if that's what I'm doing with my life, if I'm kind of harking back to a time when God moved, if I, I'm longing for God to do what he'd done before in the way he did it before, and I'm focusing all of my attention on that, and there's this little shoot springing up over here of God saying, Jonathan, I'm just over here. Oh, I can't listen because I'm focused on what's happening over here or what had happened or what is in the past. And that's taking up all of my focus and all of my attention. And I miss this new thing. And you see, we have to stop dwelling in the past so that we can fully dwell in right now. If we want to be people who are dwelling completely in this moment, we've got to stop dwelling in the past. What Isaiah doesn't say but perhaps could have gone on to say is, you know, the future is a place that we can live as well. One day, one day life will calm down and I'll get to bed at a reasonable time and get up at a reasonable time and just need to get through this project, just need to get through this next thing and then life's going to calm down and I'll stop doing 80 hour weeks. Once I get over this next thing, then this will happen and I live in the future, this future date where I'll have all of this extra time and all of this extra energy and all of this extra money because you know what the truth is? It stops me living in the right now and realize that, hang on, if I'm gonna live in a way that pleases God right now, I need to fix stuff right now. This mythical future date might never arrive. It's not promised to me the future, but I'm living in this moment right now. And if I choose to dwell in the past, or if I choose to fantasize just about the future, then I'm not fully living in the here and the now. And if I'm not fully living in the here and the now, then there's a very good chance I'll miss what Isaiah is telling us not to miss. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, don't you perceive it? I'm reminded of what Jesus says to his followers in John chapter five. In verse 19, he says, I truly, I tell you this, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. If we're not fully aware of what's going on around us right now, if we're so happy living in the past or fantasizing about the future, we will miss this truth, this truth that Jesus reveals to us, this truth that Isaiah speaks to us, which is we need to be fully attentive to the now to say, God, what is it you're doing now? If I'm not taking that moment, that step to say, I'm just going to stop, look at my life and say, God, where is it you're at work so that I can join in with you and partner with you in that and do the things that you're doing. If we don't stop and do that, we'll keep missing it. We'll keep missing the opportunities to join in with what God's doing. We won't perceive it. We won't see it. When it shoots up, we'll ignore it. We'll miss the blessing. We'll miss the opportunity. We'll miss that moment of growth and change in our lives and transformation. Why? Because we were too busy with our heads and our hearts in the future or in the past rather than saying, Lord, right here, right now, I'm alive. In this moment, I want to be fully alive. In this moment, I want to be fully aware of what you're doing in me and around me so that I can join in with you in that. Yeah, I just want to ask you a question then. I'm going to come to something else in a moment, but 
Where is it that you're dwelling? Where is it that you're dwelling? Is there something you need to make an adjustment for at the start of this year? And say, okay, God, that's it. I'm going to stop dwelling in that past. I'm letting it go. I'm going to forget some of that stuff. It just needs to go. And I'm going to stop living in that moment. I'm going to stop living in that season in order that I can live in the now. Maybe some of us need to say, God, I'm going to let go of the fantasy of this future. Because all I'm doing is spending all of my time and energy for some mythical moment that may never arrive. And I'm going to live fully with you in the here and now. I want to ask some of us that question, where are you dwelling? Are you dwelling in the past? That past that perhaps it's not just like a glorious past, but maybe it's the nasty past. It's the chariots and horses that come rumbling behind you when you think you're making good headway and you're fearful that it'll overtake you. Maybe it's that past that we need to realize has been sunk in the sea. You've been redeemed from it. Live free from it now. Seek his grace to live free from it now. Maybe that's the past. What is it? Where is it that we're living? Secondly, the second question then is, as we pause, and it may not be a question you can answer right now, but I want to encourage you to answer it this week. What is it God's doing? What's the new thing he's doing in my life right now? How can I join in with him in that? How can I fully engage with him in this new moment, in this new thing that he's desiring to do? Now that I'm letting go of this mythical future and I'm letting go of this past, whatever it was glorious or grotty, and I'm fully living now, God, how do I partner with you in what you're doing in my life right now? How can I be like Jesus and say, I'm going to do the things that I see the Father doing? I need to see what you're doing in my life, Lord, in the lives of those around me, in order that I can fully join in with you. Then I want us to see there's the promise here that comes. The second half of verse uh, 19. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. See, there was going to come a time when the people of Israel would find themselves in a wilderness experience. And even for a little while, while they were journeying back to the place that God had called them to be, they'd have to go through the wilderness to get there. God doesn't promise us that it's all going to be plain sailing and lovely. That would be quite nice if he did. I definitely know more people who would sign up if that was the promise. But God's promise isn't it'll all be cushy and lovely. God's promise is that he'll be with us and he'll get us through. That's what he promises. And one of that promises that he makes, we see here, and I think it's a Rima word, it's a now word. Some of us need to tune into this. Some of us perhaps have this experience of life right now feeling like a wilderness or feeling like a wasteland. And there's a real temptation when we're in the midst of wilderness or wasteland experiences to just stop because it's tiring and because we're thirsty and because it's hard work and because we don't know the way. The way markers are gone, the road isn't there. And what God says is in that wilderness experience, if you come to me, I'll show you the way. And some of you need to hear Jesus say this to you today. Perhaps you're experiencing a wilderness experience. You're kind of feeling like a little bit lost. Some of the usual way markers are gone. Some of the pathways that you might normally tread no longer seem to be there. 
And there's a temptation just to stop and to maybe look inwards and to get lost a little bit and have that experience of being lost becoming an overwhelming thing. This morning for some of us we need to hear Jesus say, just come to me and I'll show you the way. It's in those moments we need to lean harder on him, seek to get closer to him. Use all of those great spiritual disciplines of prayer and silence and fasting and worship and studying the scripture Constantly saying, God, I'm in a dry place, but I'm not going to shut the book. I'm not going to shut my mind. One of these ways is going to become the way. Speak to me, guide me, lead me. Some of us are really thirsty, and we're kind of feeling like it's a wilderness here, and there's no water, and God, I'm pursuing, and I'm pressing on, and I'm spiritually dry, and I'm starting the year in a really dry place. I believe that Jesus wants to say to some of us this morning who feel like we're in a spiritually dry place, there's a spring that's bubbling up. I am the one who causes streams to flow in the wasteland a stream to flow in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. Even in that place where it seems like things are difficult and they're hard. Even in that place where you feel the fullness of it, where you might have to share that water for a little while with people who surprise you. God causes the springs and the streams to flow in order what? in order that the people who he formed could be his people, in order that praise can rise to him again, in order that what he wants to build and what he wants to establish would fully come here on earth and in our lives. Friends, at the start of the year, I need to ask you, will you tune in right now and live in the here and now? Will you turn to the Lord, the Lord who says, I am the Lord who redeemed you, bought you back, gave my blood for you so that you could make a way back to God. The God who redeems you and who makes a way through the sea and deals with the stuff that comes chasing after you. Will you let me deal with it once and for all and let it be gone? Will you stop dwelling in the past or in some mythical future? Will you stop and say, Lord, what is it that you're doing right now how can I join in with what you're doing right now? Stop living my life as though it's just a drifting through it, but to really live it with, with you at the center of it, Lord. If you're in that wilderness, if you're in that wasteland, I want you to hear God, don't stop. Look for the path, look for the way. Look for it in prayer, look for it in stillness, look for it in fasting, look for it in worship, look for it in reading your scripture. Let God show you the way. Look for it in the kind word of a wise friend. Those of you who come to that place at the end of yourself saying, Lord, I am, I've got nothing left. Come to him and find that he's the one that sends the streams in the desert. He's the one that will lift you up. I want to offer each of us a chance to, to be prayed for this morning at the start of a year. And uh, it may be that one of those things is particularly God's put on your heart. And, uh, and we've got a song or two to sing. Yeah. Can we get the musicians to sing? Although I want to say to any of the musicians who want to join in when we come to pray, feel free to come and join us when we pray. And what I want us to do is if you just, I'm not going to pray individually for us all, but I'd just like to pray over all of us who want to begin this year saying, God, I want to be fully alive to what you're doing right now. 
I want to live in the fact that you're my redeemer, that I'm set free from the past. I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to just be living in some fantasy future. I want to be fully alive right now. Maybe you're saying, God, I long to see what it is you're doing around me so that I can join in with you. Maybe you're saying, God, I am a bit lost and I feel like I'm in the wilderness. Maybe you're saying, I'm a bit dry and I'm in the wasteland. And I want to encourage you today to turn that into a prayer. So as we sing this next song, I want to invite you to come into this wonderful space right here. That's another advantage of it, isn't it? And if you kind of come into this space, I'm going to join with you. I'm going to pray just over us all at once. Maybe that you want some one-to-one prayer later on. I'll tell you how you can have that. But just at the start of this, I want us to, to gather together, to see each other, to support each other, to say, we're in this together and we're going to live this life and this year to its absolute full. Okay, so if you want to pray, be prayed for, there's a big group of us making those kind of declarations at the start of the year, then come and join me here at the front as we sing this next song.